Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Free Tools, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. Of course, you put an area code 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. That is correct. There you go. And just in case you just don't care to call in or something occurred to you during the week. That's right. You can always visit our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is www.agcoauto.com. You can take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company, get you to our site. There's a contact bar on every page. You can use the form from the site and send Lewis an email. He'll get it back to you within 24 hours, a lot of times sooner. Yeah, most of the time, a lot sooner. If I happen to be at the computer, which is most of the time, I will get it back to you probably within an hour or so. So go ahead and send that in. If you hadn't gotten an answer back from me within a very short period of time, certainly within 24 hours, First off, check your spam folder because some computers, virus software, when they see something like that, they may just go ahead and kick it into a spam folder. Uh-huh. I had a gentleman come into the shop early, so well, you never did ask my question. I pulled it up and said, well, yeah, I did. Here it is. Right. So he went back and checked the spam folder. That's where he found there it. was, yeah. So check that. And if it's not there, then check the return address that you posted on the form and make sure that you did get a viable return address. Because if there's any errors in there, when I try to reply, it's just going to pop back to me right. as far as I can go. One character out of place, it's over. Sometimes I will try to figure it out. It was obvious. Yeah, maybe a .com instead of a .net or something like that. I can kind of sort of figure it out. But beyond that, eh, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you really like it. And we've got Steve's been patiently holding. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Hey. Hey, thank you very much for taking this call. Yes, sir. I learned a lot from you boys over the years. Okay, great. But I got me a bit of a puzzler. Okay. I have my daughter's car. It's a 2004 Saturn. Okay. 300L, 2.2 liter. Mm-hmm. Got about 87,000 miles on okay. it. Okay. And it is dissipating coolant. And I'm using that word because mm-hmm. it's not leaking. Okay. Not leaking yeah, externally. It's not leaking. I took it into a fellow who's done a lot of radiator work yes. for me over the yes. years, and he had it in for a week. Yeah, it's leaking. It's just yeah. not leaking externally. Correct. So you're thinking it's going into the engine? Most likely, yes, sir. Two or three places it can go in the engine that are rather hard to detect. How much coolant are we talking about, Steve? Depending on how much it's driving, uh-huh. let's say a quart over two weeks, driven a lot. Okay. A quart over a month, driven locally. Yeah, if it's that much coolant disappearing, most likely it's going out the exhaust because if it was going into the oil, it would probably turn the oil pretty milky. And mm-hmm. modern oils are not anything like old oil. When you had the old mineral oil without a lot of additives and turned milky right away, modern oil can hold probably about two quarts of coolant before it's going to turn milky. Uh-huh. Which is a significant amount. And if you change it every two or three months, you may not ever see it. Yeah. But I would say most likely it is going out of the exhaust. And the reason being, it's either going to have a blown head gasket or a cracked cylinder head or some type of leakage between the, one of the coolant jackets and an exhaust port or something like that. And people will say, well, it's not overheating. Well, it may not be. You know, it can well, it be, is. It does overheat. Well, if it's okay. overheating, and that's there even more fuel to the fire. Because if it is leaking into the combustion chamber, the heat of combustion is going to vaporize it. It's going to go to the catalytic converter, which is going to vaporize whatever else is there. And uh-huh. then that's going to be the end of it. However, you'll generally have an overheating problem because you're leaking some combustion gas into the coolant. So uh-huh. it's going to start overheating on you. Would Most I likely, not- it's either going to be a cracked head or a blown head gasket. I see. Would I not be experiencing some engine troubles because it feels tight? Not at all. Talking about a quart in a thousand miles, 
Pratt. That's yeah, a very, very small car, amount of coolant, and if it's leaking into one cylinder, let's say that cylinder is misfiring 1% of the time because the coolant is leaking in there, it might even be misfiring at all because the heat of combustion can pretty much vaporize that small amount of coolant. So it may not affect the running at all. So worst-case scenario, I'm looking at a new engine. New, no, well, sir. new cylinder head anyway. New cylinder head. Well, I guess worst case would be yeah, a new engine. Yeah. If it's going on for a period of time, it will definitely cause a lot of other problems. This is not something she's going to be able to continue to drive. The next thing you're going to give is a check engine light if you hadn't already uh-huh. because that coolant going down the exhaust is going to take out the oxygen sensor first and the catalytic converter next. Got it. So it's, it's going to get progressively worse. I would get it diagnosed and it's going to have to go to someone who knows what to do. And I know we do a lot of that type of work, and it can be very difficult to diagnose that problem. But you can narrow it down to, yes, there is combustion and coolant mixture or not. You can't say whether it's a blown head gasket or a cracked head without actually dissembling the engine because the two are going to give the exact same symptom. Mm-hmm. But what I would do were it my daughter's car is that I would probably go ahead, diagnose first, Second, I would go ahead and remove the head and check and see if there's any cylinder damage. If there's not, then I would either replace the head or the gasket. You can send the head out to a machine shop and they can pressure test it and alleviate that. You'd say, hey, that's not the problem. So then you know it's just the gasket. Just a head gasket is going to be expensive, but it's nothing like a new car would be. Right. And worst case scenario, I guess, if you get in there and the cylinder walls are galled up or that sort of thing, you might even look at finding a used engine with lower mileage. That would give you another option if you want to save the car. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Well, that's kind of what I thought. I mm-hmm. mean, that's what I told my wife. I said, look, if it ain't going out. If it ain't it's outside, going it's going inside. That's what I thought. Go on my website, Steve, and go to the search bar and type in head gasket. It is a real nice article. It tells you an awful lot about them and how they okay. work and all that. You can get a whole lot more insight into it. Excellent. All right, Steve. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for calling, man. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, 499 The number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Bill online. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning. I'm going to go ahead and ask you a question, then hang up and listen. Um, I have a, a Dodge Ram 1500, uh-huh. 2.07. Okay. I've never done anything to it other than changing oils and maybe a change of the tires one time. But it's, it's been hesitating lately and took it to They They ran an engine test. Mm-hmm. No codes came out. Mm-hmm. And the guy told me, we're going to go ahead and clean up the fuel system in the truck. They want to flush the system out. So I just want to know about flushing the don't do that. No, that's an absolute waste of time, Bill. That's not going to help anything. And generally, anytime you hear the word flush, just add the word wallet in front of it. <laughs> wallet flush. That's more about the shop making money than it is about solving any kind of problem. Me, they did charge me around 100 bucks to do that. Yeah, well, if you want to throw right. 100 bucks away, go ahead and do it. But it ain't going to help the problem. That is not going to help the problem. All they're doing is... maintenance? Uh, no, no absolutely not. No, sir. Absolutely not. No, sir. It, if it you've gets... got a hesitation... It's a gasoline engine, Bill? Sir. Is it a gasoline engine? Yes. Okay. Most likely, if you've got hesitation, you've got something like an airflow meter that is dirty, it's not working properly, the engine's leaning out. You could have an oxygen sensor that's reading off-range. You could have all kinds of things that can cause that, but a fuel system flush is not going to do it. Wow. That is nothing but something to sell you. Yeah, my RPM is, is going, it's idling high sometimes. And Well, that's going to tell you something else is wrong right. because the RPM of a engine today is controlled by the computer. The only way RPM can change is if the computer gets a bad input. So something it needs is not getting, and that's the reason why it's idling high, and that is probably also the reason why it's hesitating. 
So you're going to need to take that to someone who can go in, do a little bit of detective work, and find the actual cause. But anytime you go, and I'm not blaming any one place, but anytime you go somewhere that sells menu items, and what I mean by menu items, you walk in and it's kind of like going into a burger joint. There's a whole bunch of things up there with prices by them. Car repair isn't that way. There's not any set thing that's going to fix a car. You have to check every single car, find out what's wrong with it. It's kind of like if you went to a doctor and there's a big old board up there, remove appendix this much. So you they know, can't find any codes running into the computer. What Codes are one very small part of diagnosis, Bill. There is no machine. There is no code. It's just a guy who knows what he's doing, who understands how the system works. We may do 35 or 40 different tests on any given car with 35 or 40 different pieces of machinery. That's what a technician does, and then he will find the problem. It's not plug a machine in and gives you an answer. It just doesn't work that way. It gives you a code, which is a starting point, yeah. which is a, a – and, and it's not really even a starting point. Well, All that it, does it, is tells you what the computer has interpreted. Right. All right. Well, so you just need to find someone who knows what to do and, and get them to tell you exactly what's going on with that. But don't spend any money. The way you can tell you're in a shop that knows what they're doing, ask them point blank when they say you need this. Okay, that's great. Do you guarantee – that what you are suggesting will fix this problem. Then just sit there and listen. See what they say. They say, absolutely, we guarantee it's going to fix it. Okay, then go ahead and do it. If they start stuttering and stammering, well, duh, duh, well then, you know, you got your answer. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the lines. We have got Herb on line. Good morning, Herb. Hey, my brother has got a one-ton Chevy diesel 08 model, mm -hmm. and the steering sector was leaking, so they factory uh, the dealership put a new steering sector in. Okay. And then they got on the tie rods and centered the steering wheel back up. Okay. And they said, and we didn't align it. And they says, my brother said, well, it's got a little slack in the when it's in the middle, you know, in the thing. He said, the factory says it's preset. So he go when he's going down the road, if he turns left or right, it's good and tight. But mm -hmm. when he gets on the straight line, it's he's constantly rocking his steering wheel back and forth, trying to keep it in the center of the road. Yeah. So he wants to know, can he... Loosen that nut. No, no. Do not do that. That's not going to be slack in the steering, even though it feels like slack in the steering, because the two teeth in the center of that gear are closer together than the ones off center. That okay. keeps it tight when you're going straight and makes it easier to steer when you're off center. So if it's tight when you move off center, then that's not going to be in the gearbox. It's tight if you've got a little resistance. Right, in a, that's in right. A curve. So you're off center. That's going to be more likely they did not set the toe properly on the car. They even have it towed in too much or to have it towed out too much. And what it does, it actually hunts the road so that if you just barely move the wheel, it starts going that way. Then you cut it back, it starts going the other way, and you're constantly moving the wheel back and forth, yeah, I which feels like slack. I was riding with him last weekend, uh -huh. and he's and going straight. He's constantly correcting it. Yeah, it right. sounds like they just don't have the alignment set properly. That oh, po it's possibly as it got a bad ball joint on it. Yeah, I've seen, binding. A I've seen a ball joint binding cause yeah, that same exact that problem. It's about 35,000 miles on the truck. Yeah, that doesn't make any difference, though. Don't, okay. Not necessarily, no, sir. Okay, so tell him it's possible to tow in or a bad ball joint. Yeah, either the lima's not set or something is binding right. in the front end. If it's binding, you're turning one way and it keeps going that way, you're turning back the other way. Now, they could have that steering box too tight. If they adjusted it too tight, it will make it do that because the gears will bind. Anything that binds will make it feel that way. Okie dokie. All righty. Thanks, sir. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Right. we got to take one more quick little break. We'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Linda, Eugene, hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. Travel. 
Okay, look, you've been at the Red Box for 10 minutes and you've got about 30 movies. Yeah, you roll in here with that car with the brakes screeching and the bald tires, and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012, and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So, I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then. So no car repairs either, right? Who's got time for that? Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Auto. Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So, no car maintenance? All movies till December 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics, too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakwool. <laughs> I, I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot Hey, welcome back. You just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Fuel Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us calls, 499-9526. And we've got Linda's been patiently holding. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Um, I have a 2002 Ford Taurus okay. with 105,000 miles on it. All righty. And in the last few days, I've had an opportunity to sit in traffic. Uh-huh. I can understand uh, that. <laughs> I like that wording. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't like sitting still in traffic. Okay. And it, want, it, it acts like it's going to die. And I took it to an auto parts place mm-hmm. and had them run a little diagnostic yes, check on it. And it didn't show anything. Right, right. So I'm just kind of curious as to what might be going on. It runs fine as long as you're going. but if you How was the temperature you know, of the engine after it was sitting for a long time? I didn't notice. See, if the engine is starting to overheat, it's definitely going to start to shut the cylinders down because it goes to what they call cool-down strategy. It's going to start running really bad. It's going to start missing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it could be an overheating problem because of a cooling fan not working. Now, if that was not the case, then I would suspect something along the lines of maybe the idle control servo is a little gizmo under there that controls the idle. And if it gets hot, it may quit working as soon as it could. So, what you're going to have to do, Linda, is just a little bit of detective work, and that is next time that you're in that situation, pay particular attention to the temperature. Does it have a temperature gauge or just a light? I think it has a gauge. Watch that gauge and get used to where it normally reads. It should normally be halfway or lower. Okay. If it's going up towards the three-quarters mark or even higher, then it could be that the engine's overheating sitting in traffic like that, which is a whole different issue. Because it is normal for it to start running rough if it's going to overheat. Did the air conditioner quit working by any chance? No. It's kept on blowing cold? Thank goodness. Yeah, a lot of times it'll actually shut the AC off if it starts to overheat. So I'm thinking if it just started idling rough, I know you're not real familiar with the gauges and all on the thing, but if you go to my website and type in something like dash gauges, there's a nice article there that explains to you what every one of those gauges is and what they do. Okay. And there's another gauge on there called a tachometer. It, it reads RPM. Right. And if you watch that RPM gauge and get used to where it normally sits, it probably at an idle will sit around 600 somewhere. Okay. Next time it does it, watch and see if maybe it's going down like 4 or 5 or something like that because that is going to tell you a lot of information that you can relate to the shop to get the car fixed. Now, if it stays up in a normal spot and just starts running rough, there's a whole different thing. 
Okay. So that kind of information is what's going to help them fix the car, even though there's no codes or anything present. Because it could just be that it's got an engine mount or something that's going bad, and you're just feeling the vibration more, and because it was sitting there idling, it was just for a longer period of time, you noticed it more. So there's so many possibilities. Without a little bit more information, it's going to be awful hard to figure out what's going on. So read that article on the gauges so you'll kind of know what they mean, and then kind of pay attention to them for a week or so. Next time it does it, when you go into the shop, tell them exactly what the gauges were doing. That will give them a real heads up, which will save you a bunch of money because they can go to the problem a whole lot quicker. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, ma'am. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we're going back to our lives with Eugene. Good morning, Eugene. Hey, I got a little problem on 96 Ford Taurus. Okay. Which I'm getting a misfire on cylinder four. Okay. okay. And with all original equipment as far as the tune-up on it, and I'm uh, suspecting maybe a fuel pressure problem. Nope. And would, would it... One cylinder. It's only one cylinder missing, right. Eugene. It can't be a fuel pressure. That would affect all cylinders equally. Oh, yeah? Yes, so it's, it's something dedicated to that cylinder. Well, I'm not going to just spend none for that. don't have much. There you go. Well, that's what you did, what I, did the right thing. What you want to remember is you've got a misfire that's affecting one cylinder. Okay? What? So something on that one cylinder is causing this problem. Forget about the fuel pump. Forget about the fuel filter. Forget about the airflow meter. Forget about the oxygen sensors. All those things affect all cylinders equally. What you're looking at is more like a spark plug, a spark plug wire, a coil pack, a fuel injector, engine compression, something that is unique to that one cylinder. All that checks out. Well, how you know it checks out? Because I've tested it. How did you test it? Well, I put a scope on the engine. I've checked the compression. I've got a motorcraft and ignition parts, including the coil pack. Okay, you've already changed all that stuff, what you're saying. Rather than do all of that, what you should have done, Take the spark plug out of number four cylinder, move it to number three. Take the plug out of number three and move it to number four. Check it again. Did the misfire move? Yes, no. If the misfire did not move, you know that's okay. Take the plug wire, do the same thing. Take the fuel injector, do the same thing. At some point, the misfire is going to move. When the misfire moves, you got your bad part. So that's how easy that is to figure out. And it's possible you have a bad, yeah, a new bad. You may part. have got a brand new part that's bad. We see that get a brand new spark plug bad right out the box. So that's why you cannot just start swapping parts and all that stuff. You got to do some kind of a logical method of doing it. If not, you just gonna keep on throwing parts at you. Ain't never gonna fix the problem. That's right. And if all of that, if you swapped all the parts and the misfire is still on cylinder number four, then go and check for an injector pulse because if the computer is not sending a pulse to the injector to ground it, even if it's a good injector, that can also make it misfire on that one cylinder. The point is, is something unique to that one cylinder. The only things that can make it miss on one cylinder is either the spark, the fuel, or the compression. That is nothing else. It's got to be one of those three. That's right, because it's all limited to that one cylinder. That's right. If it were on all the cylinders, it'd be a different matter. So. Correct. All right. Do we have to take another break? we got to get out of here for another break. We'll be right back. Mike, Keith, Nathan, hang on. you got to be straight up after the break. Clint, what's with the huge crate? My 120-inch Platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? I'm putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe and elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? 
your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes. My car can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, Okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Uh, Welcome back. Please join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We've got Keith online. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. I have a, my wife took a, we have a 2004 Lexus RX 330. Uh-huh. My wife took a trip to Florida about four hours. The air conditioner was fine going there. Uh-huh. Coming back about halfway through, it quit blowing air. And the compressor seemed to still work because it was dripping. It seemed cold. And the co- air seemed cool, but the blower kind of stopped blowing yes, air sir. hard. Okay. And so I was going to take it in, and I, I saw it this way at night that she got back. The next morning I get up. I start the car, yeah. and the blower's working That's again. right. Yeah, that's that's pretty common. Nathan, now when you say, first you said it quit blowing, and then you said it quit blowing hard. It was blowing just a little. Even at, you know, we've got that automatic setting. Yeah. Where you set the temperature. Well, what you need to figure out, Nathan, it, was it blowing, or was it just because you were going down the highway, some air was coming through? Because that's no, going to make a big difference. it was in my driveway. I never moved the car. So, it, so what you're saying is that it reverted to low speed? It seemed to, and then the next morning it seemed to be back to where it was operating, and it's been okay since then. Yeah, you need to really get that clear because if it is actually going to low speed, you're into a control hit, which is a big deal. If it is just dropping out and not blowing, most likely into a blower transistor, which is a real little deal. And either one will overheat, quit working, and then start working again. So it's going to be hard to track without it doing, but you need to make sure if it is actually just not blowing at all, it quits blowing, then that is going to be a relatively easy problem, a relatively inexpensive problem. If it is going to a different speed and locking up, that's going to be a pretty big issue. But see, when you're going down the highway and you've got 70-mile-an-hour air entering into that system, it will still come out. It'll feel almost like it's on low speed, but it's just the air flowing through the system. So see if you can get to do it again, and if you can, see if you can notice that, and that's going to give you a whole lot of information. But if it's back working again, can I just... Well, it's going to do it again. No, you can't. can't, In a year and a half. No, you can't. You can't keep driving it. When that blower quits blowing, the evaporator core no longer atomizes the refrigerant, and you get liquid refrigerant return to your compressor, it's going to take the AC out. So you could take a $100 problem and turn it into a $2,500 problem by driving that car. you got to fix this. Or quit using AC. Really? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, and, and it, it, will it already have done some damage if it's been a week or so since this happened? Well, if you've been driving around without the blower blowing, it can, yes. Pumping liquid into that evaporator, you're blowing warm air past it, so it's removing the heat, and when it does, that refrigerant is flashing off to a gas, which goes back to the compressor. You quit blowing air through it, and you can get liquid return to your compressor, and liquid does not compress. Okay. So you can take the compressor out pretty fast. Well, it's blowing right now, but I need to still get that into... Yeah, as long as it's blowing, you're good. But if it quits blowing, you need to turn the system off. Don't let it sit there and run without the blower. Okay, so if, as long as it keeps working for a while... Yeah, so oh, yeah, I... absolutely. As long as it's working, okay. you're good. Yes, sir, absolutely. But if it quits blowing, shut it off. Do not let it sit there and run without it blowing. Okay, thank you. All right, man. Bye-bye. 
499-9526 number if you want to be part of the automotive hire. We got Nathan back online. Good morning, Nathan. Morning. Hey, Good how morning. are you? I was kind of wondering what you guys feel about the, the Nissan's CVT transmission. Nathan, they seem to be okay. They've been out for a few years now. Really hadn't seen a lot of trouble out of them. I know they're obscenely expensive to repair if they do go out, but that being said, I haven't seen a whole lot of them go out. CVT has been around for a long, long, long time. That came out back in the 50s. I think Ford introduced it on the Fiesta in Europe back in the mid-50s and had nothing but trouble with it. But they have come up with all kinds of new materials and new lubricants and all that. Almost every vehicle maker out there has a CVT in one form or another nowadays. And I got to tell you, we're not seeing a lot of trouble out of them yet. Okay. I don't particularly like it myself because it's very expensive if it does break. But again, that's an if. It's, it's kind of like any technology they put on cars. It's going to be way pricey when it breaks. But as long as it doesn't break much, it's not too bad. Do they typically last any longer or less than a, a typical uh, Well, we just don't know condition. yet, see, because they haven't been out that long. They've only been out in wide usage for about three or four years, maybe five. But we really don't have a great track history on them. But i got to say, in the time they've been out, I've had two of them come in that were bad. And both cases, it totaled the car. And, and how many miles were on those vehicles? Both were over 100,000. Okay. All right. Hey, can I ask you one more you question? Bet. Sure. Go ahead. I've got 87 uh, GMC S15 pickup with uh -huh. a V6, uh -huh. a little 2.8, and one day it just uh, driving down the road, just started running really rough. Got it home, checked the compression, and one cylinder was pretty low. Okay. Uh, I mean, well, compared to the rest. Yes, sir. What might it be? I mean, it just happened suddenly. Didn't hear anything. Yeah, it could have broke a valve spring or something like I'm that, thinking. broke a valve yeah. guide. Anything like that can happen pretty quickly. It's kind of like the caller we were talking to earlier, Nathan. Anything that affects one cylinder is going to be something unique to that one cylinder. Right. And so something probably happened in the cylinder. If you want to go a little bit further, you could do what they call a cylinder leakage test, which is where you actually can put air into the cylinder and you roll the engine over the top dead center, pump air into the cylinder, and see where it comes out. If it comes blowing out the intake, well, then you know you got an intake valve bad, blows out the exhaust, you got an exhaust valve bad, it blows out the crankcase, and you got a hole in the piston or a broken ring or something like that. So uh, that yeah. gives you a okay. little more insight. I mean, I don't know. It's sort of kind of a moot point. If you got low compression, it's going to be a going to be, be an a engine problem. Right. And yep. on a vehicle that old, you just got to decide: Do I love this vehicle enough to put another motor in it, or because you could try to repair what you got, but chances are it's going to run into more money than what you want to spend on it. You could try to find a used engine, but trying to find one of those little motors that doesn't have 10 billion miles on it is going to be awful hard because they hadn't built it in years and years. So it just depends. Man, I've got folks who come in and put motors in cars that old because they say, hey, I can't buy another car for that amount, and I like this one. But This particular motor has probably... 40,000 miles on it, if that. Yeah, it was a, it was a rebuilt engine? Yeah, it was, re, it was replaced uh, by GM by the original owner, and I just we just didn't drive it all that much when we bought it. And it, it, well, it has and 60 on the odometer, but yeah. a whole lot less on the engine. I mean, it could be something relatively simple. It could be a valve stuck in the guide, which can possibly be freed up. So if you like the vehicle, Nathan, and you're trying to save it, yeah. What you may want to do is take it in to somebody who knows what they're doing, have them run a cylinder leakage test, isolate where the problem is. You're not going to spend a bunch of money doing that. If you figure out, let's say, it's an intake valve, well, the next step would be to go ahead and pull the valve cover off, see if both the valves are extended all the way up to the top like they're supposed to be. If one's mm -hmm. kind of stuck down in the guide, 
you could try freeing it up. I mean, you could take the valve spring off without pulling the head. You could get in there, put some penetrant oil on it. You can work it. Maybe you can get the valve to free up. So the valve is broken off and stuck in top of the piston, then obviously you got a big issue. But right. if it's just stuck in the guide, it's possible it could be repaired without taking the motor apart. Okay. All righty. Thanks. Okay, man. Thanks, Nathan. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526. number of you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you up to the top of the list. That's right, and get your questions answered. There you go. That's one thing that most people have really gone and started doing is, is actually fixing older cars instead of replacing Absolutely, them Absolutely, yeah. The newer cars are so darn expensive now. They're so expensive, and from our experience, they're really not that good. No. It amazes me that they have literally doubled the price of cars in, say, the last 10 years, whereas you used to be able to buy a pretty decent car in the $15,000 range. Everything now is thirty-two to thirty-five. The fuel mileage has not increased any significant amount whatsoever. Yeah, and they loaded down with a whole lot more technology. Way more junk that nobody in the world could ever want. Right. Much less need. And the cost of repairing them has just accelerated to an obscene level. I know we were talking, I was talking to a fella yesterday, came in, and he had a little job. Uh, one of them was a check engine light. The other was his cruise control wasn't working. And the total labor on the job was two hours. Uh-huh. One hour for one part, one hour for the other part. One part was $960. <laughs> wow. And the other part was $150. So he ends up with a $1,400 repair bill, two hours labor. Right. To fix it. So the cost of parts is just absolutely incredible and it's all stuff you just gotta have that's it you, you know, can't go check without in it. your lights on you can't get an inspection sticker so you gotta fix it right and this is some kind of a little gizmo that sucks fumes out the gas tank to keep polar bears happy and one thing or another 900 bucks yep well can we leave it off no you can't nope. leave it off <laughs> <laughs> it's just in there that's right you gotta and get it fixed yeah that's the kind of stuff that we're seeing just more and more and more let's go back to our phone lines mike good morning mike Hey, good morning. How y'all doing? Doing great, doing sir. Doing great. In reference to earlier, yeah, I had a guy call about uh, coolant. My service light came on, and I had it just checked. I had a rental little system checked with all the free ones, and it said one of three things. Either the coolant was too low, your thermostat, or your sensor. And I so I just run over, and I put some water into the radiator, and the light went off. Okay. And everything seemed to be okay, so I said, okay. About two months later, the light come back yeah. on again. Mm-hmm. And I put some more water in okay. it, and the light went back off. Okay. Mike, what you're fixing to do is to total that car out. Really? You're fixing to take that car and make it non-repairable because uh-huh. you got a leak, okay? That's where the coolant's going. Now, when the w- coolant leaks out, number one, it's not water, it's coolant. When uh-huh. the coolant leaks out, it sucks air in. Now you've uh-huh. got corrosive material, oxygen, aluminum, so it starts to eat up the car. When you put uh-huh. water in there, what you do is you dilute the corrosion protection, which makes it a thousand times worse. I've seen right. people do that for a year and bring me the car, and it ain't worth fixing. It's the heater core is leaking, the radiator is leaking, the head gaskets are leaking, the right. intakes heat up. It's all eat up from the inside. Everything in there is eating completely up. So what you need to do right now is number one, get the coolant leak found and get it fixed. Then get every bit of that water out of there and replenish it with 50-50 mix of distilled water and coolant. Because that's the corrosion protection. Now, but distilled water is the key. 
Yeah. Don't use city water. Right. City water has chemicals in it that will actually do harm got to a cooling chlorine, system. Got chlorine, got fluoride, right. got all kinds of chemicals in You've it. You've got to so have the distilled water. you got an aluminum system. It will literally, I'm not exaggerating, it will eat that car away. I mean, the next thing you know, it'll start dripping water inside your car. Well, that's a heater core leaking. Well, that's about a 10-hour job. you got to pull the dash out to fix it. Right, right. So that is uh, not anything you can keep driving. You got you have to stop and fix that, unless you just want to jump the car. Well, too much. I mean, I don't know how much damn old. You've done yeah. some. It's kind of like anything else. Anytime you stop and fix it, you're gonna be better off than not doing it. It's kind of like a guy that smokes for 20 years. He's a whole lot better off. He quits and doesn't smoke anymore. Not as good as a guy who never did. But stop it now. Chances are you can still reverse it. But I wouldn't keep on driving it like that. Let's go back to our phone lines with Jesse. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning. About two months ago, I changed the isolator on the front end of my pickup there on the top of the coil spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a moaning and groaning when I'm in parking lot, turning around. And okay. I noticed that really when I put my brake on backing up, it'll start acting up. Check tie right ends, uh, yeah. all the bushes. What kind of vehicle are you talking about, Jesse? 2000 year. And it's when you back up that you hear it? Oh, right, and going forward some, too. It's uh-huh. got that little moaning and groaning, uh, kind of a little, it's not a popping sound, but similar to it. It moans when the wheel turns. Or right. you, have, you have to steer it one way or other to make it do it. Right, but it's stressing that front end when it makes that front end move. Anytime the front end moves, you can hear the noise. Right. Tell you okay. what you might just want to look at, Jess, and it sounds like you check suspension pretty good. Just make sure the body mount cushions are all there and that they're all good. We've seen a fair number of those rubber cushions between the cab and the frame go bad. Sometimes they fall out. The bolt falls out and they're gone. Hmm. And when you're turning, see the steering shaft is on the body and the box is on the frame. So you're kind of pushing against that body when you're turning that wheel back and forth. And that'll give you a noise like that. So get in there and look at all that. Make sure they're all in there. If they're all in there, try putting a wrench on them, crank them down good and tight. One of them may be loose. I know that can do that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I would probably put a wrench on all the lower control arm bolts, the upper control arm bolts, and all that stuff. Make sure all that's good and tight. You can check that steering shaft also. Mm-hmm. Those, were, yeah. those were notorious for making noise. If you'll just unbolt it outside under the hood, Run it in and out a few times and then bolt it back. Your noise goes away. You know you found it. Yeah, if it temporarily but it, quits. It will come back. Yeah. Is that the year period when the shaft? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, problems? everything from yes, 99 to, to 2014. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought I was out of that air. I, oh, no. First, no, it started in 99 and went all the way. And as far as I know, it's still going on. Well, I'm going to go ahead and grease that shaft. Ain't going to hurt nothing. No, it's not going to hurt at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, man. Appreciate okay. it. Right, yes, sir. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take one more quick little break. Carol and Chris, hang on. You guys will be straight up after the break. Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship? I see Meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah, got her autograph, too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car be on the list? 
What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing. It shimmies and shakes and leaking oil all over I the think I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tree Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 499-9526. And we're going live with Chris. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Louis. Yes, sir. Well, I've got a 2012 Chevrolet Impala. Okay. And my passenger side, the, the switch that's in the seat that disables the pa- or enables the passenger side airbag system uh-huh. is overly sensitive. And I took it to the dealer, and they replaced the sensor, and it was still doing the same thing. It's triggering off of like three or four pounds, and they replaced the sensor. When you say it's triggering off three or four pounds, what are you putting in the seat that's doing it, Chris? Grocery bag or, or like a gym bag. Okay, because I was going to say, I don't know exactly what the threshold is on that, but they come on fairly, you know, that may be heavy enough to set it off. Well, they claim that it was, the service writer told me that the trigger point is supposed to be something around 50 pounds. Well, yes and no. There is a trigger point around 50 pounds, which changes the way the bag deploys. See, if it's, if it's an infant or someone small in the seat, it's going to deploy at a much lower rate than what it does. It's got you know, multi-staging. But I think it may very well detect that something is in that seat. At that at lower that pound. lower poundage. Right. What I would want to do is have them look in service data and see what the actual trigger point, what actually happens when you put something in the seat. It just says someone's in the seat. Right. Wants you to hook the seat belt or something. Yeah, it wants the seat belt and the, the little thing on the dash says that the passenger airbag is on. I know that you should be able to go into a dealership and get straight information, but you got to remember those guys who are service riders, some of them... Last week, they were selling furniture. This week, they're selling auto repair at dealership. A lot of them are not trained like they should be. What you're going to need to do is get to someone. Maybe you need to talk to the service manager and have them get a tech to go to service data, and there's going to be a description of operation on that system. Alternatively, if you want to send me an email, I'll look it up for you in service data and see what the low-end trigger point is to detect something's in the seat. Because I know right. it is a multifaceted system. It's not just all phone. Yes, I was curious if you just heard anything about it. Because they said that, because they had my car for several days. Uh-huh. And they couldn't find anything wrong with it. So they said they had they contacted General Motors, mm-hmm. and they were working with GM's tech people. And it ended up going up to, like, something called like Level 2 tech. Uh-huh. And GM told them that there's something incorrect in the actual software and that they're going to have to develop it. Well, that's very possible. That does happen quite a bit, Chris. And what they can do is what they call a flash update. The computer on your car can be updated just exactly like your computer at home. And they come out constantly. About once a week, we get some type of an update from GM that fixes little glitches and stuff like that. So, yeah, if they told you that, chances are that's the truth. I'm just curious if you had heard any of that. I have not. I've not, but again, the car, a 2012, I'm really not seeing them yet because it's still going back under warranty. See, I won't see them right. too much. for After they get two or three years old or when people get fed up going back to the dealer, that's when I start seeing them. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> they should have some 2012s left on the lots. You might get them to go out there and 
yeah. open one of those up and see if it yeah. does the same thing. Go in there and pop your gym well, bag the, and see if it does it. Well, the funny thing is about how I caught it was they put the rental car they put me in was a 2012 Impala. Uh-huh. Okay. And I checked the rental car and it did the same thing. And I talked to them and they said they did pull a couple on the lot and it was doing the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, it may just be a glitch in their software. Right. And, you know, I don't know how it determines. I guess it's got some kind of a sensor, and there's some statement that says under this amount of weight, don't do this. Over this amount of weight, do that. And it's probably a little logic error or something in there. That can be fixed real easy by them and no one else because they have to modify their software. Once they do, you just do an update, and wham, it'll just disappear. Okay. So it should Appreciate be a big it. issue for you. Okay. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Chris. All Bye-bye. Right. All right, four nine 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 five two six the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we've got Carol's been patient holding. Thanks for calling, Carol. Hi, my question is: I'm looking at a 2012 Mod Three. I was just wondering what are your thoughts on that car. I would look at a Honda or a Toyota. Okay, like the Civic or a Civic or the, the Accord, uh, a Corolla. Corolla. Yeah, the Corolla or the Civic, either okay. one. I think okay. you will pay maybe a little bit more up front, but you're going to have a whole lot more car. And I don't like talking bad about anybody's product, I but I have not been happy with that car at all. We've seen a lot of transmission problems with them. We see a lot of problems with the struts in the front. We see problems with the air conditioning on them at what I consider low mileage. Not only that, but I find they're very expensive to repair. The parts on them are almost double what Honda and Toyota are. So that's something to consider when you do inevitably get to that point where you have to start replacing stuff. You may pay a little bit more up front for the Honda the Toyota, but you'll get it back when you sell the car because the resale value is way higher. Okay, yeah, because that's why I wasn't looking at them because of the price. Okay, well, well, thanks you, a lot. You know, sometimes the cheapest way out is the most expensive way in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Carol, thanks. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, right, we'd love to have you. And we've got David online. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning, Lewis. How are you today? Doing great, sir. Well, Lewis, I, I don't think I have a serious problem with some of these callers, but I, I, I just got a question for you, and I need you to get it answered. Sure. I've got a Toyota Tundra, mm-hmm. 2005 Toyota Tundra. Okay. And it uh, it does have the tire pressure gauge sensors on it. Yes, sir. And the tire pressure gauge sensor is blinking, and the owner's manual says to take it back to the dealer. Well, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what they all say. That's check money light, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I checked now, this morning. I checked all the pressure, and the pressures are good. So yeah, I maybe I just got a bad sensor. Most likely, yeah. Did what, you check the spare? Yeah, I did. I okay. got up under the truck and checked the spare. Yeah, see right. when it blinks, so David, it's not telling you that it's got low air pressure. It's telling you it can't see one of the sensors. So uh-huh. one of them has quit transmitting. That's why it blinks. Oh, well, that could be that they have the, like a little battery they in They do them. have a battery in them. Yeah. It's yeah, non-replaceable, but it is a battery in it, and when it goes uh-huh. bad, you have to replace the sensor. But you just have to figure out which one is triggering it, replace that sensor, and it does have a little IP address. You have to reassign that, reprogram it, but not too big a deal. Okay, it can be done by you. Absolutely, uh, yes. Okay, and okay, that's all I need to know, guys. Okay, Dave. I may be calling you and get setting up an appointment. Thank you, Sounds Lord. great. Thanks, man. All right, Bye-bye. bye-bye. I think we got time to sneak one more caller in there. We got Daniel on line. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing great. Great. I got an unusual problem. Okay. I have a RX three hundred nineteen ninety nine Lexus. Okay. And a friend of mine let her boyfriend change the oil. Automobile was doing fine. Had no problem. Everything was working. Okay. After he changed the oil, two days later, I have no gears on the transmission. No forward, no reverse, no nothing. Daniel, the only thing I can think of in changing the oil that could have affected that is if he pulled the wrong drain plug and right. drained some fluid out of the transmission by mistake. If I remember right, that pan, that there, transmission pan has a drain plug on it. It does, and they're right side by side. And if right. he 
you might pull a dipstick and make sure you ain't got too much oil in the engine. <laughs> right, right. I'm going to go back up under it, and I'm, I'm going to drain the engine oil out and uh, refill the engine oil. Well, and, I, uh, I wouldn't go to all that right. extent, Daniel. Just pull a dipstick. If uh-huh. the engine oil is clean uh-huh. and it's full, then I would probably – do you know how to check the transmission fluid on it? Oh, oh yes, sir. I'm very mechanically Okay, inclined. well, go ahead and with it running in gear on uh-huh. in park, pull mm-hmm. the dipstick, wipe it off, put it back in, check it again, and see if it's real low on transmission fluid. He may have inadvertently pulled the wrong plug because they are side by side. They do look kind of just alike. Right. And if he drained the fluid out, transmission would be the only thing I can think of in doing an oil change. I mean, there's lots of things that could have gone wrong. It could have something the transmission yeah. could have just went out and maybe it's a coincidence. Yeah. But that would be something real simple to check. So, yeah, check that transmission fluid make sure it's not low. All right. I hadn't had a chance to get over there, but I'm going to get back over there. Hopefully uh, you could probably get one more call in. Thank okay. you so much, sir. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. Right. 499-9526. Number if you want to be part of the automotive. Right. We kind of briefly talked about the website. If you notice uh-huh. during the show today, I referred to the website several times, and that's because almost all of the calls that we get, That information is on there, so during the week, if you need some information, pop on there and see what you think. We have a section there called the Detailed Topics with just tons of good information about stuff like this. We put one on there this morning about windshield wipers, and you wouldn't think there's that much to say about it. Right. We go into rain-sensing windshield wipers that come on automatically, tells you how they work and all that sort of stuff. Not only that, we tell you a lot of stuff about things you can do to prevent having problems with your windshield wipers. And that's great right there in itself. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, we're just about out of time, so we're going to get on out of here. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week, and go to iTunes and give us a rating. That's right. We receive a good rating on iTunes. It really makes us feel like we're doing a good job here. Moved up to number one in iTunes this week. So One, one two, three, and four, correct? That's right. We were <laughs> num- number one on all the automotive podcasts. That's so great. Got to thank all our listeners for that. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. Thank you.